Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dimzik, powered by Betsperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Andy, we should uh, talk to our graphics team. We might need an off-season intro that's not all NFL, because it is truly the off-season. Uh, we and uh, today we get to talk a new sport, which I am dying to get into because I've spent a lot of this week just trying to prep and understand and uh, and learn more about it. Uh, and uh, oh, by the way, we're joined by a guest for the first time in what feels like eons. Um, so it's <laughs> Dan's it, has been, it has been a while. I don't yeah. know that we did. So number one, Dan loves it when you give him a big project like that. Uh, when the week, so we don't, you I don't want to say, we should, just, in case, we should just do a different one for every sport. Just, just in case somebody who signs checks is listening. I don't want to say we don't, we don't work on Fridays, but we work a lot on Monday through Wednesday. So Fridays are a little easy. So Dan loves it when you come up with a big project like that at about 6 PM on a, on a Thursday, maybe next week, but also and right again, now second, yeah, right now. Speaking, yeah. speaking of company men, Sam had no choice. But to come on. Like, <laughs> well, I, I work with Sam and it was nice. It, it we twisted also some arms. Yeah, we twisted Once, some arms. Um, when we when we come up with a guest and it's like, well shit, I work with this guy. This is a lot easier than like begging someone in the DMs for sure. So it's awesome that you started uh doing some some F1 modeling here in the past year or so. Yeah. So what, well for the people we who to, are listening and not watching, stuff. for the people who are listening and not watching on YouTube. Uh, we welcome for the to the for, for the first time to the deep dive, Mr. Sam Hoppin uh, at Sam Hoppin on Twitter. Uh, outstanding follow if you are not already following Sam. He creates some pretty unbelievably cool visuals, all mostly related to football. And oh, by the way, here's a handy F1 model if you are so interested and so inclined to get involved in the F1 betting. Uh, and so when it came to looking at the sports calendar, figuring out how we wanted to kick off our off season, and seeing that the Bahrain Grand Prix lined up pretty closely with when we were getting into the off season. Uh, Sam was our first ask first and only ask uh, for the F1 uh, for, <laughs> for the F1 uh, preview show. So without further ado, Sam, welcome to the deep dive. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's funny you mentioned the NFL off season because I'm live from Indianapolis reporting on <laughs> F1. <laughs> Well, hey, Indianapolis is what the home of motor racing or the home of open yeah. wheel. It yeah, there, there is there like is that, a race. Right? It's not F one, but there's a race that happens there, yeah. and it's also yeah. And if you boy guys, if you like seeing GG plot used, um, go follow <laughs> Sam. He does uh, he does a lot of like like Drew said, a lot of data viz around football, fantasy football, that sort of stuff. If you're into that kind of content, which yes. I know. Correction. A lot of people who listen to this do yeah, like cor- Correction and retraction. Indianapolis is the racing capital of the world. Self, the self-proclaimed. World. Self-proclaimed. Um, obviously, their open-wheel racing, quite different than F1. A tear down from F1, one might say, at least on the worldwide stage. Um, but uh, how's Indianapolis going? You having a good time? Yeah, having a great time. It's uh, It's my first time being here for the Combine, even though I live a three-hour drive away. And... It is, it's pretty surreal uh, being in the bars with general managers and coaches just acting like normal people and 
also. So Ursay wasn't there. Yeah. No, definitely. No. <laughs> that was a, uh, geez, right away yeah. digging into Indy, but uh, no, it is uh, Bahrain. Dang. Quick, quick Bahrain. You triggered me there. I, I hadn't thought about this, Drew, but one of the biggest bad days of my life was from Bahrain. I had to look up where it was one day. It was just a, a company, a company card got like compromised and someone paid like $2,800 uh, worth of uh, like, uh, what was it, a utility bill. And then they paid 1500 and then like a thousand and it just kept going smaller and smaller, like 20 some charges then until I had no money in the company account. I got it all back. Like the bank was clearly, you didn't pay thousands of dollars, but we had my, my business partner, he says, what the fuck is Bahrain? Like I am not hundred percent sure. We had to pull up a globe. But. Bahrain is so, an island in the Persian. I'm willing, Gulf willing to forgive the, the country yeah. of Bahrain if this yeah. race is good. That Famously, is, the start of the F1 calendar. Before and yeah, I guess before we get into why you know there's reasons why it's all over and it's different time zones. But how did you first get into you know wanting to get involved in this and starting start modeling and looking at different ways and you know betting or even just projecting? Uh, so like many others, I've been a lifelong F1 fan since January of 2022, uh, <laughs> got captured in by the wonder that is drive to survive yeah. and just fell in love with the spectacle of it. I mean, it, it's funny because someone, uh, a podcast that I listened to about F1 mentioned that it's, it's basically a travel show wrapped in formula one. Like you see about three minutes of racing per episode, but all of this stuff that goes into it from the technical aspect of it and the all the costs i mean the travel aspect of it is pretty cool because it's a worldwide a worldwide sport and it conveniently also lines up uh, for the majority of it with the nfl offseason say for a couple of races but last year it was you know the driver and constructors championship was basically over by football season so mm-hmm. uh Worked out pretty well. Yeah, I, that's it's, it's kind of like the yeah. tennis one too. Tennis, How much exactly. of the tennis? The tennis one too. It's just like, oh, you get to go to yeah. all these coastal towns all over the country, and like, yeah. be a, be a real shame if you lost in the second round and had to sit on the beach for four days. Yeah, it's like, oh, Monte Carlo is a wrap. What's next? Oh, Barcelona. Okay, cool. Oh, we're going to Munich next. Nice. Oh, yeah. Madrid. Oh, fun. Yeah. Oh, well, now Rome and now Paris. Paris. Oh, yeah. <laughs> lovely, lovely. Like what a what a life, man. Un- unbelievably cool. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, uh, that's cool to know. I kind of had a suspicion, but that's like that's that's where we are. I mean, yeah. F F one had had a what a perilously a very very challenging time cracking through yeah. to a u.s audience even though it was the second most sport you know second most watched sport worldwide after soccer they just could not crack the u.s audience and netflix uh, netflix pulled it off so hats hats off to them and uh i get it like if you're gonna sit down and watch something on a sunday like would you rather be staring at uh you know the inside of uh you know of anfield uh or would you rather be like you know looking at different you know exotic locales around the world as the f1 tour uh you know moves around the world so it makes makes perfect sense to me the fact that the races are on every sunday and you only really got to kind of tune in um you know it's not every sunday obviously but the fact that it is you know you kind of it's more predictable schedule wise so it doesn't interfere with your work week uh makes sense too as far as why it's so popular and uh and but at the same time like you have to kind of understand and have the spirit of premier league. I feel like to be able to appreciate F1 because 
there really aren't a lot of guys with a chance to win every given week, right? No, not at all. It's, it is extremely top heavy, which made this past year a, a little boring at times, but uh, we'll talk through some of them, but there are a lot of different markets to, to target. I think, you know, one thing that drive to survive does paint really well is the teams that aren't going to win. They sort of know that they're not going to sure. win. And so even just like getting in the top 10 is a huge accomplishment for some of them. And it, it really is cool to see again, like you don't have to win to necessarily have a good day uh, in the sport. So basically everyone's racing against expectation. Right. That is a, that's a really good way to put it because it's, yeah. If you, if you finish fifth and you were expected to win, then you're, uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, somebody's, yeah, you bring up, you you bring up, uh, like the premier league. If you looked at the preseason odds for, for some of that, it's the same kind of thing. Like you go look at FanDuel right now for, I mean, even just this race, like you get seven racers down the board and you're over a hundred to one. You're talking (laughs) very, very low. And that's, I don't know, that's maybe all dead like money a bunch of people crash. Yeah, just a bunch of, it's a bunch yeah. of dead money. It's a futures market to begin with. So all the holds build into like the long shots and, or, you know, the, the hold built into the long shots is almost meaningless because those numbers could be bigger. Probably wouldn't even matter at that point. And I don't know, like, it's not fully just, hey, here's a couple guys. There are a handful every week. But if you look at like the outright market for the whole thing, it feels like, God, I just wrote the the West coast conference article where it's Gonzaga and St. Mary's. And then the third favorite to win the tournament in a, in a, a field of 10 is 26 to one, a team won 23 games this year. Like it's a good team. It's just, you know, it's, it's <laughs> no like, chance. Oh, this, yeah. this tournament sucks, but that's what, I mean, that is the fun part too, because you do see that where, and Dan who does watch some F1 producer, Dan's a fan says Haas being in the top 10 is better than Red Bull winning. Like there are some of these lower end teams where it's like, you know, if, if they were to get top half in a race, like that's just a, a massive accomplishment for them. Yeah. So, and even on, on the season, from the season long perspective too, you know, you've got the top three teams, Ferrari, Red Bull, and Mercedes, and then everyone is sort of considered the rest of the best. And the difference between finishing fifth and finishing sixth is millions of dollars for them that they can spend on, improvements and stuff in the off season. So it's, you know, yeah, a couple of points in one race can, can even swing that because they're, they're not scoring that many in throughout the entire season. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned last year was a little bit on the uh, lack of uh, drama side because Red Bull in particular, Max Verstappen was so dominant. Um, he won 15 of 22 stages uh rounds excuse me rounds uh there were only five different drivers to win around uh and two of those only won one <laughs> so this was a it was a very elite uh field oh man shoot Perez only only won two so this was it was literally Verstappen winning everything and then Leclerc Leclerc getting sloppy seconds uh yeah. and then a couple of a couple of uh uh you know a couple of outlier uh, performances maybe, but, um, it's, it's, uh, it was top heavy last year. It's not always that way. Um, but, uh, no, but I mean, know. in the years before that, for a couple of years, it was just like, you know, preseason numbers on Hamilton were the same, where it's, you know, Ham- Hamilton, Shoot, like he, he, I remember two or three, four years ago, Pete, you know, Pete from the tennis chat talked me into betting Hamilton after he 
like didn't win the first race. He's like, this number is going to be slightly depressed and it's still stupid like value. And, you know, it was another one where he had it won with a race races in hand still at that point. And it feels like, it feels like, uh, is there just too much money for these top guys? Like, and Drew talked about the constructors championship too. It's, you know, what's the, what's the biggest knock on tying up money on a huge favorite over a long period of time in sports? Like, I guess the, the fact that you could be doing th- other things with the money, but there's always like a minute chance that there's a bad injury. Like if, if sure. you know, even just say like an MVP market halfway yeah. through the season where a guy's running away with it, guy could blow his knee out and then you don't lose. Like the, what is, there's no analog to like blowing your knee out on a, a race car over a period of months. Well, you can months. go Nikki Lauda. Yeah, but I mean, and, it's just like you, know, if you have all this money, the track, yeah, all the well, I mean, yeah, but over a course of like a long, a long period of time, yeah, they have all the money, they've spent all the R and D, the car is better, the engine's better, everything's better than the competition. Like over a long time, it's just you know, there's not that there's not that long tail to, uh, you know, uh, they don't have ACLs. These cars, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good point. I mean, you crash a car one week and then. You got a, a brand new car the next week, and obviously they gotta they gotta pay for that, and that it's never fun for them. But to your point, it's it's very rare that I, I mean there are injuries that happen when you get in crashes and stuff like that. But even the the biggest crash last year when uh, Guan Yu Zhou uh, went into the wall and like spun over, I I don't even remember if he missed any time i mean the, the obviously the cars are made for safety which is great but it's you can it's very difficult as we'll talk about very difficult to separate the car from the driver and how much of performance do you attribute to the car versus the driver it's a little easier to discern that with the guys who are driving the same car who are on the same team but outside of that i mean it's at a certain point you can probably replace some drivers and it's not going to drastically change your outcome. We don't need to jump all the way ahead, but I still think there's a lot more resiliency in betting Red Bull team championship than taking Verstappen. Even despite the fact that you're getting a better price, which makes zero sense because I feel like the second best car and second, you know, second most likely champion if something were to happen to Verstappen is probably his teammate, Sergio Perez. But uh, for those who aren't like super familiar and again, like, I don't pretend to be an expert. Let's go back to basics here. Yeah, most of most of my understanding before preparing for this podcast, most of my uh, my understanding of F one came from the Nikki Lauda uh, versus uh, Hemsworth movie Rush, and you know, kind of (laughs) Uh, kind of getting into it at that. Be like, oh wow, this is cool. What's going on here? What is this? Oh, okay, got it. Uh, So I don't know a ton. Uh, about F1 and you know the first thing that I guess is worth kind of describing the landscape of the teams a little bit so there are 10 teams quote-unquote yep. teams and uh, each team has two drivers and two cars any given week um, and it's rare that a driver has to get replaced but sometimes they do so pretty much you know you go into a given season and each team is like okay these are our cars these are our drivers now the cars evolve over the course of the season as yep. they continue to try to tweak them make improvements and you know a lot of teams kind of come into a season and maybe they know they don't have the car yet but they're going to work on getting it at some point um, but uh, you know what's what's like you know what is some of the interesting or intriguing parts of having this sort of two 
drivers in the same team kind of concept and is it's just redundancy in case there's a, a crash or a breakdown or something yeah I, I think it's that i mean you'll see that different teams will have will give some drivers precedence in their strategy right so when max verstappen was leading the drivers championship down you know th- towards the end of the season they would give Sergio Perez's teammate instructions to let Max pass so that he could get more points than him than him and and essentially lock up the the driver's championship for himself. And they're obviously not sacrificing any points at a team level in those scenarios. But I think one of the more interesting things, which is something that I didn't realize until about halfway through last year, is that they're all different cars, they're all different teams, but a lot of them share the same engine so mercedes williams mclaren and aston martin all have a mercedes engine so they're all relying on that that power unit and you saw last year ferrari and alfa romeo having some reliability issues and they both share the same engine as well so it's it's something that impacts can impact multiple teams in a way that again is very is very unique to Formula One, and I think is makes it super interesting too. Because if you can tie, you know, one team's performance or I guess reliability to the engine, you can you kind of extrapolate that to the other teams that they share the parts with. Is that just? I mean, just me being dumb. <clears throat> is that just the fact that not that many? companies manufacturers make these kind of engines but it's just like because it's such a niche thing like you're not selling those engines to anything else it's just like there's no reason for some startup be like i'm gonna make f1 engines and hopefully somebody buys like six of them next year because they're gonna need like (laughs) that's it that's my one customer red bull is not red bull is an energy drink company right like they're not making (laughs) they're not making engines you know granted you have Ferrari and, and Mercedes and stuff who are car man, or I guess consumer car manufacturers. And so they have that infrastructure, but you know, Red Bull's got to get their engines from Honda. Um, so they got to get them from somewhere. So I think it's, it's a matter of that. I'm sure expertise is, is part of it too. And wanting to rely on other people's expertise in, in that sense. Yeah, too much money at stake to take a chance on somebody who, which is funny because I don't know if you guys have any analogs to other worldwide racing um, uh, tours, but the America's Cup was completely put from that he was setting wing on the ship, uh, and then on you know, capable of beating the United States for the first time in what 150 years. Um, so it was, uh, you know, the best I think part I, was most, that's it. you did your glitch thing there, Drew. Most where glitch. Nobody, timing. nobody heard what you said. And then you <laughs> said, <laughs> and then he beat him hundred for after 150 years. I, I know it's, yeah. you, were gonna tell you know, the story. And, yeah. 19, 1983, uh, crazy Australian guy decides to put an upside down wing on the keel of a ship and then goes ahead and you know defeats the United States and for the first time in the rest years. is history. Yeah, the rest is history. That's how we that's how we now do elite racing. And Oracle is there's a tie in here between Oracle too because Oracle is effectively the name sponsor of the Red Bull team now, which is interesting. Um, Oracle obviously famous for America's Cup sailing. Um, this is all minutia though. Let's get into sort of the the key reason that we reached out to you as the guy to talk F1, and that is this is a data driven sport. 
this seems like the perfect kind of, if you were just, you know, forget about Netflix, you know, you're just sitting there as a football guy, like I, I spent all this time learning data science. I have six months to kill. Like I need a sport here. F1 seems like kind of the ideal data-driven sport yeah. to pick up and just kind of plug and play to come up with numerical modeling. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what you found as you kind of made a first foray into collecting data and synthesizing it into uh, a way to project, you know, expected outcomes. And then from there, handicap. So I think the best part about it, and is, is part of the reason I stuck with it is the availability of public data is extremely impressive. There's uh, without getting too into the details, there are some Python packages that have telemetry data, which is essentially player tracking data, but for cars. So it, it gives you like, second by second, like where the cars are on the track, their acceleration, just a bunch of stats. And it's, it's something I have not gotten into a ton yet because it's the math side of it is also like a lot of physics too, which I have not taken physics in about 15 years. And that said, there's, you know, you can get lap times, you can get all of this stuff and it goes back extremely far. It goes back decades and decades, which is super helpful. So that was sort of my first experience with it is just seeing all of that. And then when I started the modeling, I considered trying to do a lap by lap sort of simulation, trying to simulate what times these drivers are going to get in a given race. But because each circuit is different, they're all different lengths, all that sort of time, uh, all that sort of stuff. They're going to have different lap times. So trying to, you know, you could have normalized it and stuff like that. So started off and, and what I'm doing now is a little simpler. It's based off of historical results. It's based off of their pace, sort of how far off the pace they were in the race. Um, so I built a model to project what their finishing position is going to be and then run some simulations to, figure out how many times they're going to finish in first, second, third, fourth, all this sort of stuff, uh, add those up, come up with the percentages and then use that to, you know, compare to the betting odds and stuff like that. So it's the one aspect of it too, is trying to factor in the reliability, right? Sure. These cars that's everything can crap <laughs> out yeah. and you can, you know, lay a minus one fifty on Verstappen to win. I think it's a guaranteed winner, but if his car craps out on, the 55th of 57 laps, like it just sort of is what it is. So trying to do that. And then, like I said, splitting out the driver performance versus what the car is contributing is, is very difficult. And I think people lean towards the car being the deciding factor. So let's talk about that a little bit. So there's a couple of kind of, inputs towards i guess phil philosophical strategic whatever you want to call it uh um you know kind of concepts that the team itself comes up comes to the table with when they design their chassis right yep. they're like okay we're going for these targets in terms of aerodynamic efficiency we want this type of down drag we want this type of uh x y and z right and 
in general, some of those decisions have trade-offs, right? You can right. be, we're going for a little bit more straight line speed and we're, oh no, we're going to want a little bit better handling, a little bit better acceleration out of turns, things like that, right? And so I, I read and hear some of the strategy that goes into this stuff and I think, okay, well, if somebody figures out, you know, the, 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 the most aerodynamic way to do it, everybody's going to copy them. But the fact that there are trade-offs gives you some distinguishing factors between the different cars. Um, and I guess... The obvious thing to ask then is, is there a way to kind of put together um, the characteristics of a given car with the characteristics of a given course in a way that you have yeah. basically sort of a course fit score for any given team? Well, real yeah. quick, Sam, too, the, the chassis yeah, stuff and, and just what Drew was talking about, I didn't have time to actually answer this question. Are there, you know are there major changes between that between races where not not even just so much hey this didn't work we need to change something before the next race is are the the differences in the tracks great enough where they say this worked good enough today but you know a month from now when we're in baku or whatever like we're going to want a different a slightly different kind of build on our on our chassis like is there a lot of that going on you know even between you know some of the major teams yeah, that's a really good question. I think one of the things too that at least gets the the most publicity is the tire choice. You'll huh? see on the broadcast every every tire that each individual driver and team is going with. There are three different tire types, and on one end you have one that's built for sort of durability and lasting a lot longer. So you maybe take fewer pit stops, and one that's a little less durable, but it's going to be a lot quicker, have a lot quicker pace. So that's a more, a, a data, I don't want to not day to day, a race to race type thing that they're going to strategize beforehand and, and try to figure out, is this going to be a, a two pit race or a three pit race, stuff like that. And, and then they have wet tires as well for when it's raining out and they need a lot more grip. So that's the most, I would say the most public thing because it, on the broadcasts on Sunday mornings, they're going through every decision that each car and driver has made. And especially when two drivers on the same team have different tires, it's, it's interesting to see like, okay, they're going to play this strategy with driver a and a different strategy with driver B. That makes sense. So then, yeah, we went chassis and engines. So well, yeah, so, sorry, no, no, sorry. no, 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 no. But no, I mean, if, no, it's no, funny. That, we didn't that makes total tires. sense. So basically, when it comes to race by race strategy of the team, it's mostly along the lines of how are we going to manage the race, as opposed yep, to yep. how are we going to change the car. Um, the car change yeah. is kind of is the off season thing, right? Or the, cha yeah. the chassis, like because the engines, you know, if you're changing your engine, like you're starting over basically, right? So it's but but if you're you know modifications I, I to the think chassis, there's tweaks, you know, you can't yeah, go wholesale changes, but tweaks and improvements for sure. Yeah, they're making tweaks and improvements throughout the year. They've got you know certain allocation of like power units and stuff that they can use and and things like that that they have to consider as well. There are cost caps as well to you know it's essentially a salary cap right that teams can't go over that otherwise they they face penalties and things like that but it's they're they're making minor modifications throughout the year i again i'm not going to pretend that i'm an, an expert in all the technical stuff either it's there's a lot that goes into it 
and the the structural part of I mean the structure of the car is generally going to stay the same. They're not changing, you know, the the sidecars or anything like that, but they they're making changes throughout the year for sure. Okay. That makes sense. But it's uh it's less about trying to fit a course and more about we gotta fix this car. <laughs> yeah. And I mean one of the things I know we had it in the in the notes here, one of the big things last year was with the porpoising, which yeah. is the drivers yeah. just Bouncing. I'm making them up for the people listening and not watching. I am yeah, bouncing my hand up and down. Yeah. Um, but there were things that teams were trying to do to alleviate that throughout the year to make it so that these drivers' backs weren't killing them at the end of the race. No, yeah. that makes I, sense. I remember I watched an early race and I and then I asked uh I think producer Dan was watching it too. And I'm like, it's a lot of sparks that fly off the back of these cars. And he's like, yeah, that's not supposed to be a thing. <laughs> like, it's, uh, and he explained the porpoising where, I mean, the back ends were just bouncing up and down and hitting. And, and it was a, it was a whole thing that a lot of, I guess, was it a rule change on how they had to build it, that it affected everyone or what was the deal there? I think so. Again, I think that the cost cap had a lot to do with it and that, they, tr- they implemented this cost cap to try and level the playing field a little bit because historically the top teams could just spend all the money that they had and spend it on development and stuff like that. And so it was an attempt to sort of bunch the field together that ultimately did not work. But the best part with the porpoising was at some point uh, a driver, I don't remember who it was, but a driver had their helmet painted like a basketball and so it was like bouncing like <laughs> i thought it was pretty comical yeah i think also i think i've solved guy, yeah. f1 you, you know how the mlb has the luxury tax i yeah. i'm i don't actually know where that money goes sure um when when you know the teams that go over the salary cap have to go but they should do that with the you like spend whatever you want but for every dollar you go over, you have to give an like a quarter to the worst team, uh, or or it, it just you know it stratifies I, all the way down. Like all the all the yeah. poor teams get part of your money if yeah. you overspend. So then they'll ju- they'll just have more money to get better. Maybe maybe be, I'm be being cool. maybe I'm being naive. I, but I, sure. I think I well and I could be I could be dead dead fucking wrong. No no doubt about it. But I think I feel like the the physicists effectively the f1 physicists yeah. kind of bring a level of expertise to the two kind of key comp- the two parts that you're working with in terms of coming up with a car that is faster than the other cars which red bull has period yeah is what kind of down drag are you getting or down force sorry what kind of down force are you getting so basically yeah. these cars are upside down wings right and so the faster they go the the, the, the closer they uh, get compressed to the ground by air Right. And what kind of downforce are you getting? The more downforce you get, the better, the faster you're able to take turns. And obviously the driver matters too. Like some drivers are not, you know, are just more capable of taking higher G's around turns for hours than others. And so, you know, that's definitely part of the equation. Um, But the downforce in the car and the drag. And if you've kind of, you kind of have, you know, you're trying to achieve certain targets and it literally is just, maybe it's just, they pay the, they have the best physicist and they pay them the most and they got the, they got the fastest car. Uh, it's, it's entirely possible because I don't know that other than the reliability for the engine part of it, I don't know that, um, that there's enough, I don't know that money is going to fix it. <laughs> right? right. Like, I don't know that yeah, it's they need as some simple sort of as drag reduction. 
system. <laughs> Get rid yeah. of the drag. Get rid of the drag, right? Um, all right. Well, so yeah, there's a lot of physics that go into it, surely. Red Bull has seems to at least have the you know they're furthest ahead in terms of solutions with the current set of rules um yeah. and you know so for those reasons they're going to be the favorites in every race even if it's depending on course fit again like because you know so it's it felt like to start last season at least uh ferrari's car i don't know maybe it was the engine was better but you know interesting maybe it was just faster uh or yeah. maybe it was some decisions that they made about the way that they um you know came in design wise for the chassis but they were they were clearly the better you know car uh on courses that had more turns and the red bull they could not keep up with the red bull car on the straight line courses it felt yeah. like to start the season then the reliability crept in red bull made some tweaks to their design and just ran away from the field and the, you know, the rest is history um but you know so i i think that f for the most part you're looking for distinguishing factors in things like What's the weather that day? Was it a day or a night race? You know, is it, are we, you know, rain, wind, heat, things like that. Uh, and then similarly, like, is your driver especially good on a type of course? Like, and, and for those reasons, like, I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm uh, all again, kind of being naive here, but I feel like the driver's ability to handle forces just as a human being, like being able to keep it together while under impossibly yeah. high G forces uh, is uh, on a variable scale. Some guys can do it more than other guys, even though these are all elite drivers in the world. So I guess you're putting together a numerical model. You're looking at things like course history and, you know, correlations to other courses for a given chassis, uh, at a given driver uh, conditions, how they're going to approach tire, you know, approach the tire decision making. Um, and you're weaving all that into some sort of numerical pricing model. Right. Um, is there just in general, you kind of have a sense of importance factor of all of those different things? And have I missed anything? I mean, you so have, the, and I'll get to it, it after Sam answers. <laughs> the, so what the qualifying position is obviously a huge part okay. of what's going to drive my models results, what's going to drive prices uh, at sportsbooks. The reliability is a huge part of it too, as far as the simulation aspect of my modeling goes, because Again, you're trying to identify essentially what percent of time a car is going to to crap out and not be able to finish the race. The one thing that I haven't been able to include in, and is hopefully on my to-do over the next couple of months is trying to incorporate the, the driver ability to, again, maximize, you know, coming in and out of turns or being able to hit the right you know, top line straight speed. So I think there, there's all those aspects of it, the, the strategy aspects of it with, you know, like what I was talking about with the tires is very difficult because you, you know, you can hear on the broadcast what the, the teams are going to do. You see what they're doing in terms of whether, you know, they're pitting two or three times, but trying to quantify that and determine whether it was or was not the optimal strategy and it it could have been a good strategy and then a safety car comes out and just sort of ruins everything so it's that strategy thing and then the the part with again like replacing and en engines or, or power units i should say throughout the season and what level of boost does a new power unit have that is going to give them an edge 
And, and the main thing too that I'm I'm wondering after you explain that all makes sense. I love the to hear that. I like where your head's at. Um, but the main thing, and, and I think about any other sport, Drew, like with the NBA, you sure. can you you have your numbers, you have all the stats you're pulling, and you're looking at, you're making your own prices. Mm-hmm. But then there are, you know, intangibles maybe isn't the right word, but like, hey, this this coach does this. I really hate how he's going to approach the second quarter in this game with how sure. he how he rotates versus this other team because it's going right. to create a mismatch that the numbers don't aren't going to show. Correct. And, but you know that, and you Correct. Right. keep you off a keep you off a dumb bet. So for me, who maybe watched like a race and a half last year, but also follows a lot of people on Twitter who are into it and sees the the memes and doesn't understand like why is everyone making fun of Ferrari. Like so, number one, explain that. Like the, the 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 jokes that I just don't get. And then number two is is that is that the sort of stuff that's just so impossible to start to to factor in when a team is just because I, I guess I sort of understand the meme. Are they just super bad at making the right decision? They have a good product and they're just bleeping it up. So I'll give one example that sort of encapsulates it all. At yeah, Monaco last year, they had signs come into pit. And while he was still in there, they also told Leclerc to come into pit. And then as he made the turn into the pits, they told him, no, 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 stay out. And then he had to sit behind signs while they were changing his tires. And it was a, it was a disaster. And so Ferrari got rid of what is the NFL equivalent of their head coach. Okay. They, they got rid of him. Um, the they, they brought someone him. else in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was the subject of a lot of memes for sure, uh, and so it was just critical errors like that that cost them races. Whether they, you know, some of the tire decisions that they made throughout the year too, whether they went again on on the soft tires later in the races or not, things like that, where <laughs> it was just disastrous. And then you know, one race the uh, the British Grand Prix last year, they told signs like let Leclerc through and signs was in first place at the time with about you know seven to ten laps to go signs is like I haven't won a race yet this might be the only chance I have I'm gonna completely ignore those rules or the uh those orders yeah and oh I like that it's just yeah I mean it was great it was probably the best f1 betting day of my very short career so far but (laughs) it uh it, it's it was just like all of this stuff just, just adding up and a lot of on different dis- it wasn't year. one thing the way no. you made it a lot of different dysfunctionality and so yeah. and then massive underperformance compared to like hey you have good drivers you have good cars you have good power units you know what i yeah. said there? and you yeah just, you should have been better yeah it, it was all of that it's and it was one race after another and i don't remember if they came out and like admitted that yeah. they ever were making mistakes but it was very apparent that they were just (laughs) fumbling the bag okay so terrible course management and i'm looking at it right now they had 20 percent of their starts retirements my goodness gracious that's a reliability problem Oh, it that was not is a good. huge, 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 huge number. Um, okay. Well, and I, I did. I looked at the Oof. markets real quick, and this is not on the sheet, but it's an easy one. Um, again, because I haven't watched a lot of races, I watched some of the drive to survive. But like, 
what's what's the most common thing to retire from? Like just because I looked at it, no retirements is like eighteen to one. Engine so there, fire. There aren't right? is it just is it just <laughs> engines know. messing up or what? like why are why are uh, these lesser teams always retiring? The power unit, as far as I know, is like one of the bigger things when that craps out, they just don't have power. Can't raise, yeah. You can so I think and again I it's been a while since I, I just started like getting back into F one like two weeks ago, uh, with the NFL season wrapping ups, but as one does, if, yeah. if they, yeah, if they haven't changed things, they have like three power units that they can use throughout the year. So oh, it's, okay. if you, you can kind of think about it like a battery, right? So they drain power from the power unit and in certain races, they will tell drivers to drive a little bit more conservatively to conserve some of the power and not use it. If they're, whether they're far up ahead and and have the race locked in or the race is sort of a lost cause, they'll play a little bit more conservatively to try and conserve that. Um, Because if they go over it, they have penalties and have to start at the back of the grid in some instances and things like that. So the, the power unit, I think is again, the biggest thing you'll hear a lot about like brakes crapping out um, and not working well, enough those are the first two things that came to my mind very cool um this is gonna be the toughest part of the interview so no you know this isn't a test but these are the most important questions for a noob uh like me who wants to bet and is going to bet this week Um, i'm only gonna bet on retirement i'm gonna bet on uh, (laughs) can help help me understand the market cycle here so numbers go you know the the numbers go up a week out well, you know, we did nothing like, you know, like as soon as the previous race is over, the next week's numbers open, the limits go up when mm-hmm. the the big moves come after qualifying or is there early market movement that's just based on people who are numerical modeling who are like, oh, God, you know, these guys kill at this course. They're going to be, you know, they're underpriced. We're going to shape that, right? Like, you know, what what's your general read on how the market kind of matures from the time it opens till the time we get to the green flag it's a green flag in f1 (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah so outrights come out again pretty short quickly after the the previous race oddly enough i think caesars has the las vegas outrights up right now and have for like a while (laughs) um but that just that's just a a vegas grand prix thing so the outrights come out first and then usually after like a day or a couple of days, they they'll start adding uh, podium finishes, top six and top 10. So those are the big, I guess, four markets that will come out first. Those will all be out pre-qualifying. Sometimes they'll throw uh, the matchups out there and those are typically between drivers on the same team. So it's a matchup between Lewis Hamilton and George Russell, who are on both on Mercedes and those are both, those are almost always very heavily juiced towards the team's number one driver. Even though teams won't admit that they have a number one driver, yeah, most of them have a number one driver. Uh, there are very few instances like Haas where the drivers are pretty similar, both in skill set and, I mean, obviously they both have zero points right now, but score the same amount of points throughout the season. So they won't necessarily have a, a number one, um, but you can get so on Friday mornings or afternoons, whenever 
uh, I guess whatever time zone they're in, they have two practices during the day. So they have for, for this week, for example, they have one uh, practice tomorrow morning, one in the afternoon. They'll have, uh, and then tomorrow, excuse me, on Saturday, they'll have a final practice and then qualifying. So those markets will shift throughout each of the practices based on how the teams are performing, how they're driving. I think you'll get a sense throughout. This is this will be a couple months down the road because all the parts are going to be new for this week. But if you start to figure out whether teams are having reliability issues or if they're going to have to start from the back of the grid because of a power unit penalty, things like that. Um, there were there are guys that will crash in practice, which will force the team to try and fix the car within a 24 to 36 hour time span. So it will change that way. But qualifying is the for sure the biggest thing that will will swing things for mostly for drivers that either over or underperform their sort of expected qualifying position. If okay. You will. That makes sense. And uh, you, so the price, they probably, there's a trader who's m changing prices based on what they take the market down, they change yeah. the prices, they put it back up. Is that usually when you go and enter the market and you see more, you know, line movement at that point as people kind of agree that the traders either were over or under uh, adjusting on certain, certain drivers? I think so earlier in the week, I think it's more a reliability bet. You're, okay. you're trying to understand what the reliability of these cars are. And that's obviously very difficult early in the season because it's going to be pretty chalky as far as who the, the race favorites are going to be. They are assuming that like Verstappen is going to win qualifying or, or be second. And even if he does like qualify 10th or something, his odds are not going to change drastically because it's going to be so easy for him in the first five laps to pass all these other cars that are lesser. And so where you, where I think you really get value is the cars that, you know, sort of those, those mid pack cars that are, that do qualify worse, but have the opportunity to make up uh, and passing some of the the other cars as well that makes sense and, that, and that's where i wonder too and just <clears throat> excuse me speaking of the markets because I, I don't see any of this right now i'm guessing this is and maybe i'm just because i'm only looking at one damn book and i need to well, you, ex, yeah. expand my uh expand my bet oh my god i'm scrolling there's a lot of stuff you can and dan dan bet on some of the practice uh there's yeah. bets that you can make on practice and qualifying mm -hmm. but um, the head-to-head -head matchup stuff, is there usually a pretty robust market of like, hey, here's a bunch of names of you know, racers who can't win. Like, essentially, you can't win this race, yeah. but we're going to match you up and put a They're price on you. They're expected to finish versus... 11th and 12th, and yeah, we're going like, to hang hey, out. Here's, you know, here's, yeah, here's minus the, 120 plus 100. <laughs> the 18th and 19th best racers and we're, we're, we're getting our cars, and we're going to put them up against each other. Like, I would think there'd be some exploitable prices and that sort of stuff. And so as far as I recall, BetMGM is the the one that they have. They'll have like a group of four. So they'll have a group of four drivers. They'll essentially price them from whatever the highest qualifying driver is to the bottom and sort of adjust it that way. But those, in my opinion, are 
they're they're some of my favorite to bet in most exploitable because they are sort of towards the end you're again the the matchups that you'll see at least earlier in the week and throughout the weekend are going to be between the teammates and you'll see like some max versus leclerc um max versus sign stuff like that some of the higher ups but they don't they're not going down to like every you know 11 12 13 14 sort of matchup uh unfortunately that makes sense. Uh, so, yeah, I remember back in the two couple of seasons ago, it was basically wait and wait and wait. Finally, they hung a matchup and you faded Mazaspin, uh, Mazaspin out, who was like last in every freaking race. It felt I was, like I was um, pronounced it Mazipan. <laughs> it was, I think, I think it was Mazipan, but yeah, I, was, I don't know. Anyway, um, okay. All right. Good, good info. Do you know about limits for this stuff? Like, is there, they I do not you want, no, okay. I, Okay. I admittedly am not someone who. Here we are has on gotten Thursday. To a point. Yeah, we're Thursday afternoon before Sunday race. You can bet five k on the winner at at uh, Bookmaker, and then that's. About it. I know. I was just pulling a Bookmaker. I'm like, I assume they have eye Yeah, that, most of their most of their stuff is season long, and, that, and that's. I'm surprised they're not opening more markets for earlier in the season because it sounds like at least yeah, there's some uncertainty because you know we just had testing. So there's something known about these guys, but uh, not a lot known. And, you know, in general, you would expect the cars should at least be able to perform and be yeah. reliability issues be relatively low so, in week one. So did you and did you see this, Drew? Uh, if you look in the F1 sure. on Bookmaker, which is, uh, they're making their way towards being a legal shop is the word on the street, but it is an offshore. Mm. They have matchups for the driver's championship, which is a lot I, of fun. Yeah, I like, have uh, a couple of those that I want. Hulk. I have a couple um, of those I want some takes on from Sam as we get later into this that's, show. These are but fun. We're going to sure, close with some, some season long. We'll, we're going to close with some season long. If actually, that's a good pivot right now. So oh, we'll, we'll, close on, we'll close the book on. We'll close the book. Yeah, let's let's close the book on market um, uh, market option for for those. Actually, one last market question before we move on. For those mm-hmm. who are in legal states, is there a, a legal shop that? Um, has the most options if you are super into F1 or you're getting into it? Like wh- who would be the go-to? Go-to, yeah. MGM is is my MGM? favorite. Like I said, like they they were the ones that had the the group of four drivers. They've got oh, cool. matchups. They do have more matchups than just teammates against each other as well. Um, DraftKings is usually the first to get their lines out. Like they had podium top six, top ten like a day or two ago. Um, and I, I, I haven't checked in the last couple hours, but uh, they didn't, other books didn't even have those things out yet. Okay. Well, Josh in the chat, given a hat tip to bet three, six, five as well, which makes sense. Cause I imagine that bet three, six, five does an enormous amount of volume in the UK yeah, for this type of thing. Gibraltar is huge. <laughs> enormous, enormous. Um, over there. Uh, okay. Let's pivot to the season then uh, and talk about sort of what to expect from some of these teams in particular, some of the narratives that may be true, false or irrelevant. Um, and we got to start with Red Bull, which is the top of the pile here. Uh, Verstappen, clearly the team, you know, the, the driver to beat minus 165 for the season long driver championship, uh, Red Bull as a team minus 150, which interests me, uh, because after watching a little bit of testing, it feels like they pretty clearly have the best car. Um, yeah. you know, I think, uh, it, you know, it's, if anything, the kind of, I would be intrigued to see what happens. Um, this season is much more about like if Checo Perez 
outperforms Max at all early in the season. If Max has some surprising, uh, you know, some surprising retirements, doesn't finish a couple races early on. Is there, does, do we start to brew a little bit of an internal rivalry there? Cause um, I just don't see anybody outside of the top, you know, those two guys being able to realistically contend considering how good that car is, uh, is, you know, can anyone, uh, you know, get, you know, what, I guess how big is the gap between uh, Red Bull racing in the field? I think it's as big as, the gap is implied by, by the sports book. I mean, the, it sounds like Mercedes is improving and has fixed. They, they fixed the porpoising. They still have a couple of things to figure out, but I don't think that they are back to their pre 2022 ways quite yet. I mean, you didn't really hear much about Red Bull last week during testing, but that's a good thing. Like they, not that they didn't have things to fix, but, they they are the team to beat and they just sort of showed like yep they're still red bull they're still going to be that good of team it, it was funny you mentioned you know if perez starts outperforming verstappen you know does that create a rivalry i've actually heard you know if perez starts not performing as well as expected does red bull think about Ooh. making a switch daniel ricardo is out on the market and he was with red bull a couple of years ago uh do they potentially make that call i mean that there are a ton of rumors in in f1 when we get to what is deemed silly season uh which is in usually around the august time frame you'll get a lot of wild rumors of drivers switching teams so i think that the checo underperforming i think is something that potentially could be more likely than him outperforming max okay very cool uh the other key question then about um i bet Red, it's good work yeah. if you can get it i bet these guys get paid oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah no the first time i ever heard of red f1 in my life was when aspn or something was like 1999 or 98 the top paid athlete in the world is michael schumacher and it was literally like who <laughs> the top paid athlete in the world is michael schumacher i've never heard of okay all right sure um but uh no i think uh that the fact that red bull locked up the championship last year with four races to go and they could basically kind of look ahead to 2022 yep. while everybody else was kind of still kind of jockeying for lower down in the podium position i think is huge was a huge advantage for them yeah uh, and i would be absolutely shocked if any team comes into this season and, and really kind of gives them the business the team that everybody expected to and was excited for a hot minute last year because they went two of the first three races <laughs> was the ferrari team as mentioned um you know from what i can tell reading reading some you know some of the uh, more detailed discussion about testing uh and you know hearing some of the commentary it seems like they really didn't put all their cards on the table at during testing. Like they were a little cagey. They didn't really tr go for it. They didn't try to make a statement. They're playing a little bit of possum. That said, the changes they made aerodynamically look like they've conceded some of the strategic ideas that Red Bull have made, uh, you know, made their name on in terms of the way that they go about dealing with uh, downforce and drag. So that's a red flag for me. If you're like, no, this is the way we're going to do it. And then you kind of are like in a shortened off season, like, all right, we give up. We're going to do it like Red Bull. Like, 
that looks like a problem potentially. Like maybe, you know, maybe they don't exactly have their aerodynamics figured out. In testing, they didn't prove that they have their, you know, their, you know, any kind of major relevation here. Um, and so I think I'm inclined to move the gap a little further this year relative to what looked like a closing gap to start last season. Is that fair at all? And would you expect anything about the Ferrari, um, you know, approach to the season to be better than what we saw last year? We talked about the the strategy blunders that they had last year. I'm inclined to think that it can't get worse than that. And they got rid of the guy that, that, was the source of a lot of those issues. But I, again, Red Bull is just so good. I mean, they're, they've consistently, unless they have a reliability issue, like I don't see how they're losing these races. I mean, even when, again, Verstappen is starting outside the top 10, he's finishing on the podium and it, it's just absurd for them. So I do think I am a little bit optimistic about Ferrari being able to win a couple more races than the the, the three or four races that they won last year. But sure. for them to jump the gap between, again, being second place to being better than Red Bull, I think is, is going to be a, a massive struggle. And I think there are other teams below them that have crept closer to you know, being closer to Ferrari than Ferrari has gotten to close to Red Bull. Oh, buddy. Oh, I know buddy. That, and that was, I know, and I know there's matchups, Drew. <clears throat> That's the one I want to talk about. <laughs> I know the, the matchups are, are kind of the way to do this, but I was, it's almost like this week in golf, they had a market that was uh, no Rom, no Scotty, no Rory, who, who, who finishes, you know, the guy could win, I guess, if he beats all of them. But like without them, here's a. I almost wanted to see like a no Red Bull mark. You see that in, oh. in European markets Towards have that all the about time. About halfway like, through the year, or about halfway through the year last year, they started adding winner without Max Verstappen. So yeah. I started making sims for winner without yeah. Max Verstappen, and it's that is the better market to attack, to be honest, because there's actually a little bit more variability in, in yeah, what's going to happen. Very, very, some variance. And, and that's kind of what I was, I was wondering on that too, because of these matchups that Drew is about to bring up. And I know you, you, and we'll, we'll pull these up here with Dan, Dan put them because you, you make such a long column. We had to split it. So it goes on a screen a little better. You have your, your sim for this week, but do you do anything season long as far as that goes this early? Or is it just, it's so hard to do anything at this point in the year to, to look at like, here's where I think the, you know, the 10 teams finish in general. I haven't done anything for season long. It's, I wanted to focus on the race by race stuff. I think by the time, I don't think I, I don't, if I recall, I didn't have this model up at the start of the season last year, because again, I got into drive to survive in late January and then the season started very quickly after. Um, And so I do think there, I forgot what, what point I was trying to make, but there, the stuff I have focused on is, is just the race level stuff at this point. Okay. So the bet that I'm itching to pull the trigger on here is Mercedes plus 110 against Ferrari head to head. There's a couple of obvious reasons why. Uh, the porpoising and you know just in general, like it was a mechanical problem 
that really just scuttled Mercedes out of the gate last year. Right. Like I feel yeah. like in testing, people were like, uh, Mercedes is going to struggle. Uh, and so it was like a two, it was a two team race, like out of the gate. And that kind of anchored everybody to thinking of this as sort of, oh, there's, there's a top two and then Mercedes and then everyone else. But, um, having fixed that and looking at testing and there's still clearly some sort of oversteering thing going on. There was a lot of, uh, you know, issues coming out of turns, I thought in testing, uh, but that looks fixable. From what I could tell you, it doesn't look yeah. uh, like season-long kind of just dis- like disaster there. Um, and then, you know, just in general, the fact that they have a more reliable engine. I mean, the 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 twenty percent hit rate of retirements for Mer- Ferrari is a, is a problem. Uh, yeah. You know, Ferrari maybe they just were in cruise control down the stretch, and were, they maybe they were thinking about twenty twenty three as well. Yeah. But Mercedes almost ran them down. Yeah. Down the home stretch, Mercedes performed really, really well in the final uh, final frame of the season, final quarter, I guess. Um, and you know, Lewis Hamilton, he's he's no no one to be trifled with. Like this guy has seven titles. He is extremely good. Uh, and his uh, running mate George Russell. I mean, I don't even really know who the driver number one is anymore. There, it may be Russell. Um, but uh, those two guys are good at this. And if they finished two three. After Verstappen, I wouldn't be surprised, but I no. feel like Mercedes taking Ferrari out at plus 110 is a bet. I I love it. It's, I mean, if of the four drivers, so you got Carlos Sainz, Charles, Charles Leclerc, Lewis Hamilton, and George Russell. Mercedes has the best driver of that quad in Lewis Hamilton. George Russell last year started off uh, a stretch of like 10 or 11 races, finishing in the top five in every single race it was incredibly impressive it was up until again that that british grand prix where he uh got in a crash in the first 100 meters of the race and mercedes like you said they have a more reliable car they did struggle with pace last year which is why they struggled to get actual wins but they only had three fewer podiums on the season than ferrari had and certainly do not have the strategy concerns that Ferrari has had in the past. So I, I am very optimistic. I mean, last I checked for, uh, excuse me, Mercedes was uh, the second favorite to win the constructors championship over Ferrari. So if you're getting Mercedes at plus money to beat Ferrari, I, I love it. I'm in. Okay. I'm what, and just well. real quick, you, <laughs> fired I fired away. All right, I, I saw right. that you moved it for a second. <laughs> um, the I, you didn't even tell me what the term was. You said uh, you just dumbed it down for us. <laughs> like the uh, equivalent of an NFL head coach. Like they got fired. Yeah. Did that happen at the end of the season, or was it? It wasn't mid-season kind of thing. And it was and not mid-season. No. Follow up. Like, what is the general read? Like, have you read anything? Have you? heard any podcasts it's like the general read on like oh this guy's gonna come in and fix it or people are like hey it's still kind of an organizational thing they know that they had blunders they know they had to make a change i i could be mistaken so so don't quote me on this i think the guy that they hired or or some I, i don't know if it was the guy that they hired to fill that role or just to bring on as a strategist like had a math background or like some advanced analytics background type thing, um, which is is super cool. And 
again, makes me optimistic. Like, I don't think it's going to be worse for Ferrari, but to get better than what they had is, again, the lay fan sort of knew that Ferrari was messing things up, which yeah. says a lot. And so to be able to get to status quo, I think will help them. But I think in the time that that's happened, Mercedes car has gotten better, caught up enough to yeah. outweigh them. Yeah. I, I want to bet Mercedes now, now that somebody made the price better. <laughs> excuse me, a Ferrari. Poor Drew's. We were about to cross on F1. and uh... <laughs> We could do it big for you, I guess. Um, the, uh, the, I guess that, I don't know if my signal's fixed or not. I'm having another yeah, you're, you're better. Blackout. You're just, you're glurp, you're I'm going to call it glurping. Glurped, I glurped. I'm getting a new computer uh, next week after I get back from Jackson Hole, so this is not going to be an issue anymore. I hope. Um, the Love it. yeah, the um, uh, we're two years removed from Ferrari bettering Red Bull as the constructors' champion. Uh, they have a lot more chemistry, a lot more continuity. Uh, their car was effed out of the gate last year, and it took them until June, July to really get all of the major yeah. issues worked out. Uh, it looks like, I, I, I mean, I feel like this is the best, the highest plus EV bet on the board. Ferrari, n- n- there is definitely some tension, I think, between those two drivers. I don't think yeah. that uh, Sainz loves the idea of being the second banana to Leclerc. Uh, and, you know, like you said, like new manager, uh, you know, potential for uh, the changes they made aerodynamically not to be exactly what they want out of the gate. I, I mean, I, I just feel like there's a lot swirling here that Ferrari takes a big old step back this year before maybe a future you know, step forward in the future at some point. Um, so it's uh, it's Mercedes for me this year. I'll be uh, I'll be uh, rocking the, the they're kind of like the man United, I guess, of F1. Right, it's this team. They they've won a lot, uh, but it's been a while, you know. And it's yeah. you know nobody really likes cheering for maybe, Mercedes. Maybe more like Nottingham Forest. <laughs> <laughs> they, so. they they won the the UCL in like nineteen sixty seven or whatever. Well, let's give uh let's give some of the Nottingham Forest on the on the tour a little bit of shine. Um, I think uh, I don't know that this this uh, uh, market is up, but people are buzzy about Aston Martin. I think based on the way they looked in testing, um, I was doing a little bit of research on the drivers for Aston Martin, and I see Fernando Alonso, who participated last year, and I was like, "Oh, cool! Fernando Alonso's kid is in F one. Uh, that seems to be a thing. Like, you know, your your kid comes up and he, he takes over your spot. No, it's the actual Fernando Alonso who was like the yeah. champion in two thousand five, two thousand six, who is now forty one years old out there running for Aston Martin. Um, but their car looks good." Uh, people think they realistically could finish fourth. Um, I've grabbed a little bit of them in head-to-heads against some of the uh, teams that I think are a hair overpriced that we will get to in a moment. Uh, you got any read on Aston Martin? They they do certainly have the most buzz coming out of testing. The Alonzo hiring or, or signing is was certainly obviously a big move that they made in the offseason. I... Personally, I've never been a fan of uh, a Lance Stroll, <laughs> uh, but they they looked really good in testing. I think it's that's one thing where I'm waiting for the race weekend to sort of confirm: is it legit? Can they compete with Mercedes and and Ferrari? 
right now Alonzo has the seventh best odds to win the race on Sunday, which is pretty crazy. Alonzo sort of became a, a bit of a meme last year because it would be the top five or six drivers, about a 20 second gap, Fernando Alonso holding up the whole rest of the group. So <laughs> he, he certainly knows how to defend and, and keep drivers from, from passing him. So it, it's one of those things where he has the experience. I think he just needs to be in a fast car to, to have a chance at winning. I think taking him to, if you do believe in the Aston Martin stuff, taking him to potentially win qualifying this weekend, I think uh, could be, could be a decent bet. Excellent. Uh, the, uh, the team that people are the least buzzy about <laughs> after testing was the McLaren team. Um, the papayas look to be in uh, rebuild mode. Like this is sort of the, uh, uh, you know, we're starting from scratch where maybe we're going to be contending in mm, 2025, 2026. Um, not, uh, not expecting much from McLaren. Uh, which is a bummer because Lando Norris is a cool guy to cheer for, and he is locked in on this sinking ship of a team for a couple more years, I think. Um, yeah. Any uh, any interest in taking the likes of an Alpine over McLaren in a head-to-head market? I think so. Alpine was was really good last year. I, I will be interested to see uh, how replacing Alonso goes. <clears throat> excuse me, with Pierre Gasly, who I really like. Um, I do think. It, the McLaren stuff is funny. They just outright said last week, it's not good. Like we, we didn't hit the benchmarks that we wanted to. It's the one positive. If you want to have a silver lining is that they, they saw essentially what they were seeing in the wind tunnels and, and stuff like that sort of in their own facility. So it wasn't a shock that they were bad, but they are still bad. And they admitted as much. So I think they'll, right now for me, I think the three teams competing for fourth are Aston Martin, Alpine, and to be quite honest, Haas. I think Ooh. they're, <laughs> I I really like Kevin Magnuson. He's, I think, a steady driver. And I think replacing Mick Schumacher uh, is, and bringing in Nico Hulkenberg after, essentially you're off or uh, some time off, I think could give them some, some spunk in this race. Very cool. Um, I like that call. Uh, that, that all that checks out. Um, do you think uh, you mentioned Pierre Gasly? Is he, uh, in your opinion, driver one for, uh, for Alpine over Ocon? I think it'll still be Ocon just because yeah, he's it's, it's not been with way. the team. Um, it, it's, I I would probably take. Ocon has strong, Ocon has uh, what do you call it? He's, uh, he's he was there last year for them, right? Yeah, he he was right. there last year for them. Um, I do think he's an incumbent. That was the word I was looking for. Yeah, he has incumbency. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I would probably take the plus driver just because they're probably <laughs> close enough in skill that one is not. I mean, it's not like a we're stopping. Perez difference in in skill in my opinion so it's I don't know it will be interesting to see if they start to give priority over uh for one driver over another as the season progresses 
I love it. So outside of the top three, we're high on Alpine. We're high on uh, Aston Martin. We're high on Haas. We're out on uh, the... Um, uh, I'm out on Williams. Out, I'm gonna out, bold, out, bold take. I'm, gonna, bold I'm, just, take. I'm just gonna go <laughs> Williams. Uh, out on out, out on McLaren. Out on Williams and out on uh, the uh, who's it? Alphatari. Yep. Is, are they basically gonna kind of disband? They are. So they're essentially like the sister team to Red Bull. They have a lot of the the same drivers in sort of their pipeline of, of, of drivers they have the same engine as red bull <coughs> excuse me as well yuki sinoda was a, as entertaining as he is uh on netflix is a bit of a wild card <laughs> uh nick devries is, is coming in to replace yeah. pierre gasly uh, it'll be his first year in formula one so it's again yuki is uh, He's a fireball for sure, but not necessarily in in the best way for for F one. Okay, all right. So out on AlphaTauri, out out on Williams, out on uh, McLaren. Uh, most likely DFLs With, this year. And De- DeVries, Dan pointed this out too. Uh, DraftKings, <laughs> yeah, DraftKings had uh, fuck. I don't know what the price was on DFL market. Well, no, the the oh. no the price on Verstappen was one price, but price on uh, it was uh, the home country of the the winning driver and the dutch uh, price the dutch price was cheaper and and you get to freeze too uh, just in case just in case yeah even though i wonder is he i thought he was belgian i was i was like 90 percent. i mean de Vries is dutch but he is also no de Vries is dutch i thought yeah, for was Oh yeah, no, 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 no. Um, all right, good Hulk deal. We'll, let's uh, let's give a little bit of shine to this week's race here. Now that we've kind of talked about the season long stuff, um, and I will kind of clear the space for you to talk about sort of how you see this playing out. What's special about the course, um, you know, and uh, and you know, best ways to watch and uh, what lessons you're you know lessons learned from 2022 that apply to the handicap for this weekend. Yeah. Um, Time so yeah, let's start with the this middle of the night one because it's no 9 a.m. Um, Central time, Middle East 9 oh, a.m. Central time. This is perfect. So, Get up, yeah, have coffee, yeah, yeah, it is perfect. Uh, so I think that means I don't know what time qualifying will be on Saturday. I haven't looked ahead to the schedule yet, but in any case, so Bahrain's been the first race for the last couple of years is as far as i can recall it does have three drs zones i don't we didn't andy mentioned drag reduction system i wasn't sure if he actually knew what <laughs> drs was uh okay it'd have been uh, funny it'd be much funnier if i didn't but like i'm gonna do it i'm not even gonna let sam if you get if you get close enough to another car basically you have a magic button that makes your car a little faster and yeah. it just makes for more passing and it makes yep. it makes racing awesome yeah, so there are three of said zones. You got to be within one second of the car ahead of you. It just opens a flap in the back of the car. But awesome. there are three of those, so there there should be a decent amount of overtaking, uh, which is good. It always makes the the race fun. Mm-hmm. It it does have a pretty challenging point in in the race on turn ten. Uh, it's got a, a tight downhill turn that they got to make, which is always fun to watch. And I, I posted some charts on Twitter earlier before podium finishers since 2014 have all pretty much started in the top six, uh, despite having the 
multiple multiple DRS zones. Now that could be attributed to just the the best drop, uh, excuse me, best cars starting at the top and and not necessarily getting passed by the the lower lower cars. But as far as best ways to watch, uh, I, I saw some stuff in the chat about ESPN maybe not having uh, broadcasting or, or something. They 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 were a little weird last year. Like they were showing like a ninth and tenth place fight when like a first and second place fight was going on and like they were showing replays at like really weird times so uh f1 tv like there's like an f1 tv pro or something like that you can buy a a season package that you get you know you can watch the race live you can uh watch the replays for the entire throughout the season um which is something i might venture and go to this year I'm, I'm in already. I, I have yeah. enough at stake uh, here for the season that I'm, I'm buying the season package in a heartbeat. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm ready to watch qualify practice tomorrow, right? We got practice yeah. tomorrow. Let me get up early. I kind of yeah. want to watch practice. Just see what the hell yeah. it is. Yeah. These are liquid markets, buddy. <laughs> We're going to make some money this year. <laughs> this is, uh, no, this is, this Alvaro, is. Uh, and Alvaro says just put it on Univision. Oh, Univision. Oh, yeah. What what's actually happening? Or maybe you speak Spanish. That would help uh, with that greatly. And yeah, you Canadians get all the breaks. The Sky Sports. Sky Sports sounds like the best channel in the world. Yeah the the frustrating thing is that you'll get like the F one Twitter account will tweet videos out, and then yeah. it says this video is not available in your region. Uh, so that is never fun. But it's I'm I'm very excited. I I think. Um, what was I gonna say? I don't remember if I answered all of your questions. You, you had a bunch of questions there, but no, it's okay. No, I just wanted to kind of get a sense of what. Yeah, oh yeah, big one. Lessons learned. Um, Red Bull will or won't run out of gas on the second to last lap for both of their cars this year, or whatever. Was it the I second sh- last lap? They, they had a very embarrassing bad run out of, Yeah, very very yeah. embarrassing uh, running out of gas situation for Red Bull last year. I mean, it's happened to me. <laughs> I wasn't on TV though. <laughs> I sure hope not. I mean, the the race that they, or excuse me, the fight that they had down down the stretch there was was certainly getting interesting. And then everyone overreacted to well, both Red Bulls crapped out. I think one of the I, I could be mistaken, but I think like one of the Alpha Tauris uh, crapped out as well. So that again, the same engine type stuff, and it's like this is a, a, a terrible thing for Red Bull, and then it was just not really an issue uh, in the grand scheme of things. Thanks, total sense. So um, season-long ways to follow your, your information. I guess uh, you, uh, you're going to go to, you're going to go to Vegas. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to win win enough money that by the time we get to November, you're basically paying for your trip uh, with all of your F1 winnings. Is that the plan? Um, sell your house, I guess. <laughs> yeah, sell the house that I just bought, um, or skip a few mortgage payments to to go there. I, I've, I don't know if I've ever had. A, I mean, again, I've been a, a fan for a little over a year now. I, I don't know if I really have a, like a huge desire to go to a race because you're you stuck in one spot. Yeah, and <laughs> unless something magical happens in that one spot, it's not really anything. I think if if I were to do, 
if I were to go to Vegas and, and this would be very difficult to pull off is getting a hotel somewhere on the strip. Cause they're going to go right down the strip is getting a hotel, being able to see it from your hotel window yeah. while also having the broadcast yeah. on the 30th TV floor of the TV. Cosmo. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah I think you got it figured out. I wonder, yeah. I, I would, you know, <laughs> just with the demand for those tickets too, I would wonder if all those rooms are just booked at this point. I'm sure they are. Because yeah, it's just, I'm it, sure they were booked. Like if they're if they're not, they're the, holding the them for the announced. very very high for the, the the players that are coming and you know turning over a lot of money yeah. at the tables. I have yeah. I have a question then because I don't know all the stops on this uh, tour around the world, but we did make the analog to tennis earlier and all the Umag and Monaco and all these gorgeous <laughs> places. Like uh, tennis also plays a pretty big tournament in Cincinnati. <laughs> which uh, which stop is the Cincinnati of uh, of the F one calendar? No that's to the queen city the one that you're yeah the one yeah, i'm gonna sleep in and i'm gonna skip yeah, this race. Like, yeah. that's a really good question i mean it's so there's a lot there's been a lot of debate over the last couple of years of whether monaco should stay on the f1 schedule wow. on one hand there's the history of it because sure. it, it's monaco it's it's it again yeah. it is the spectacle it is f1 yeah. But it's not a good race, generally. Like they're not. Yeah. The streets are so skinny. There, there is barely any passing. It was a disaster this past year because it was downpouring. It took like an hour after the scheduled time for it to start. So it's it's not definitely not the Cincinnati of it, but it's <laughs> for different reasons. It yeah. it does get okay. a lot of hype for not necessarily being the the best race. Um, again, there. By the time the NFL season started last year, I was I was watching fewer races. I think uh, Monza in Italy is has gotten some I don't know if heat's the right word, but some criticism of not necessarily being the best race. Um, but yeah, I mean, all these places are probably a lot better than Cincinnati, regardless. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't didn't know we were going to throw strays at uh, Southern Ohio, but such is life. Yeah, I mean Montreal's on the list. Let's I, I cool our jets it. a little bit here, guys. Um, no, I just no, no no offense to Montreal either. Um, the uh, uh, yeah, that's interesting. You, you can't get rid of Monaco because then Cars Two wouldn't make any sense. Like that whole <laughs> scene, people would be like, "What is this?" I don't understand. You know, future generations of kids just they wouldn't get it. Uh, so I, I don't think you can. I don't think you can move off of Monaco. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll throw Baku into the ring as uh, as the Cincinnati of the tour. That that one feels like you could probably. Could probably cut that one if you have if you had to go back down to twenty two races. We didn't even mention it, but there's twenty three this year, so we continue yeah. to add to the calendar. And there is going to be a lot of F one to be had. Uh, where can people find your information? Are you posting uh, weekly articles, weekly posts, model results? Uh, you know what what do you intend to do throughout the the, the um, F one season? Yeah, so all my stuff can be found just on my Twitter at Sam Hoppin. I usually do. Uh, depending on time constraints and uh, the schedule, I usually do three sets of Sims. So I'll do one before all the practices and qualifying. I'll usually get that out by Tuesday, Wednesday ish. And then after the first two practices. Uh, so one thing we, we didn't mention, I, I did a quick study last year, seeing how much correlation there was between 
practice results and qualifying actual qualifying position for uh, that weekend. And it was, it was pretty high. So I, what I will do is I'll strip out each driver's quote unquote optimal lap. So if you took their best time from each of the, the three or four sectors in the, in the, the one lap, essentially crushed that all together and made their best race time and use that as essentially the qualifying position. Um, so I'll use that in, in a second run and then the final run after qualifying. And on the, the note here on the chart early in the week, when there obviously isn't any qualifying, I'll just use the implied odds uh, for qualifying as the, the grid position. Uh, or expected grid position for about as good as you can do for, for a placeholder early in the week. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, no doubt. Yeah, um, so yeah, very cool. All that, and then again, do the try to do the the short threads on the the circuits uh, and some of their their characteristics. Again, hoping to get now that I have again the understanding, I had the model sort of spun up, trying to get more into some of the the analysis of it. Okay, so let's say you you just kill it this year. Because probably will. Um, what's your favorite race that you would put on your your uh, your bucket list to go see? Um, and I'll make because because I'll be honest with you, I had sort of the same opinion. You like, oh, you know, go to a race, blah blah blah. Like, see more of it on TV. And then I went to the Long Beach Grand Prix one year, and I was like, holy shit! Like, I get why people come and care. It is. Yeah freaking amazing to see these cars in person flying around 200 miles an hour it and I, is and unbelievable. I went to the yeah and i went yeah. to the uh deer creek uh speedway <laughs> which is like 15 <laughs> miles from my house to watch uh <laughs> like i don't even know what it's called modified stock cars whip around on a dirt track which is fun yeah. too you see the whole fun track. also yeah different uh, no, different, so that, yeah. Uh, different races it, until you yeah until you see it in person uh definitely uh definitely don't uh dismiss going so what you get you, you crush it this year you set you have a you have a little uh, a little 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 scratch set aside and you're like okay we're going to blank and we're going to see this race next year because it's the best that's a that's a good question i i hadn't thought about that i'm i would say brazil i think that's usually Ooh. it's a it's really good track it is later in the year so like if if the championship is decided by then it might not be as good of a, a spectacle but i've also never been to brazil so would would check that box off as well and again i think it's it, it's one of the better circuits in my opinion on on the on the grid i love it first race held in sao paulo in 1972 plus, they're plus up to Brazilian 50 food. yeah they're up to 50 races there that's pretty freaking cool all right good answer yeah i was expecting like spa and in, in belgium or uh uh, or or one of the other kind of you know premier European courses, or maybe even I think Singapore. I'd, I'd base yeah. it off food, Drew. Like, okay, where are you Brazil, going, Andy? Braz, Braz, probably Brazil. Like, I love Brazil. Brazilian food is your go-to, huh? Well, no, but just like there's not like a great Brazil. Like uh, my mother's, you know, German. I have good German food. I I know really good Italian places. Like, they don't even have a race in get, Germany like, anymore. We just don't. Well, I'm just saying, we just don't have a. I don't have a good Brazilian place in my neighborhood. So that's why I'd go to that race for sure. Okay, fair enough. 
Send me to Europe. I'll go to any of those races in the middle yes. of the season there. Those are, all sick. <laughs> those are all sick. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, good stuff. Sam, thank you again. You can follow Sam at Sam Hoppin. Enjoy your rest of your time in Indianapolis. We appreciate you making time for us. Uh, while you're out there, we know you can be uh, enjoying some cocktail shrimp at St. Elmo's because apparently everybody does that, I guess. So, Had that for but, the first you're, time. You already maxed it out. Like, <laughs> you're, you're, you you ran that, from yeah, like good. the airport to that, that St. Box. Elmo's. You got it done right away. Yeah, of course. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your time. Uh, let us know uh, how uh, um, how Bryce Young weighs in. We're all we're all waited with, with bated breath, uh, trying to middle that uh, that twenty five dollar market on Bet Online. <laughs> so. I'm just leaving. I, I need the over one. Okay. Okay. You got one ninety five. Okay. I think yeah. I got one ninety four and a half. Uh, they opened it pretty low to start with. There. Anyway, um, Sam. Thanks again. Uh, Andy, thank you. Guys. Enjoy, enjoy the your uh, enjoy your first F one betting experience this week. Have you bet on F one before, Andy? Oh, for sure. Oh, okay, good. All right, yeah. So have I, but we're I'm taking it seriously this year. I'm going to follow Sam, and we're going to make some money. So, all right. Best of luck. Thanks, guys. Could have gone on for another hour, man. That's great. That was fun. <laughs> got to almost everything I had on in terms of my All questions. The, the, but yeah. the sports that we don't deal with much are fun. The NASCAR one was fun, too. I'm more likely to stick with the F1, though, I'll be honest with you. Like the international aspect of it, the early in the morning.